Let's go. It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any good rate. Looks from parishioners, old ladies, and the shirts. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for all of you busy and distracted Catholics out there to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is on his phone. I was. It's because we're together and Jeff, I just took a selfie of us. You just think you can just get... do whatever you want because we're in the same room? Yeah, we're. I can touch you. I'm yeah. reaching out. and no, uh, He's fully vaccinated, folks. This is true. I was posting on Instagram the picture of us recording in the same room together because... What's the name of the Instagram account that you... All set for Sunday. Cool. Uh, Our guest today is Father Jerry Bird. How are you, Father? I'm doing great. Great to be with you guys. not in the same room with us, but but we still love you. You can't touch me, so... (laughs) (laughs) Theologically, am I right? All right. Well, you said I'm reaching out, and that made me think, isn't there like this terrible Neil Diamond song or something like that that's... Sweet Caroline? Did you just call Sweet Caroline a terrible Neil Diamond song? Is that is that the one? Yeah, reaching out, touching me, touching yeah. you. Yeah. Sweet Caroline. Ba, ba, ba. There it is. We always end up singing when you're on the podcast, Father. Can't help it. Oh. I bring that out in people. It's a gift. I mean, it's singing or screaming. One of the two I bring out in people. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good times. Um, Jeff, you want to take us to the two-minute drill? I would love to. It, Guys, are we excited? It's, I, I we am. have a little bit of a change. It's a special Sunday. What it's kind? Ascension Sunday. <laughs> Ascension Sunday coming up. Father, I'm assuming you're preaching on the Ascension readings. I got nervous when there were choices because it seems like there's always choices when you're on and I always get them wrong. But uh, our first reading comes from Acts. It's the literally the very beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, Luke is just recapping. He says, all right, it's been about 40 days or <laughs> you so. You don't have to overcompensate because you got his name wrong. I, like well, every- <laughs> he is. Stop it. A couple of weeks ago, I might have said that John wrote Acts of the Apostles. So every week that there's Acts, he's going to oh. mention that it's Luke this time. Because I said it, nobody corrected me. Right, but anyway, Luke Stop is correcting me right now. I know you will. Uh, Luke is recapping. 40 days or so. There's lots of proof. Like Jesus has shown us who he is. It's been about 40 days. He's appeared to us. He's been around. We've seen what's going on here. Um, so everybody's wondering, like, all right, Jesus, you've been around. You've been here. When are you going to do your thing? When are you coming back? When are you going to save us all? And he says, that's not for you to know. Just be ready. Uh, just be ready to go. And then he floats up to heaven. And all of a sudden, uh, as the apostles are all staring up at the sky, watching Jesus float to heaven, uh, these two guys in white appear next to him. 
and just say, what are you guys looking at? He'll be back eventually. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Which seems like the weirdest scene ever. Like you're seeing what is the most miraculous thing ever. And then two random figures in all white just appear next to you and just like, what are you guys staring at? Hello. Dummies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the responsorial psalm this week, uh, God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. That That's a lot. There's a lot there. Or, Scott. Uh, alleluia. Alleluia. Father, Is do you ever do that as your response? Is it a banger, Jeff? Oh, I would not call this a banger. I would call this a mumbler. Uh, yeah, it's a mumbler. One where, especially now with masks on, you're going to do five masses this weekend. And will you remember what the response was after your five masses? Or do you just get to the end of it and you're like, <laughs> yeah. Trumpets wearing those things. Trumpet, trumpet, trumpets. Trumpet, trumpet. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> there you go. Or horns. Um, what I tell you about I, touching the soundboard. I know. I can touch the soundboard now. It's great. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, our second reading comes from Ephesians. I can hear people unfollowing us. Yes. <laughs> Just clicking off the <laughs> podcast. This is great. Uh, our second reading comes from Ephesians. It says, uh, may God give us wisdom and revelation. Open the eyes of our hearts. I love that phrase, eyes of our hearts, uh, so that we can be enlightened to all of the wonder. And then it goes through and lists all of these amazing wonders and gifts that we can see now that are, if the eyes of our hearts are open and he's in heaven, he's at the right hand of the father. He is all powerful. He's the head of the church. He is the head. The church is his body. And we get the fullness. We get truly the fullness of of Christ in this experience. And then we go to the gospel. Uh, The gospel comes from Mark uh, chapter 16, verses 15 to 20. Jesus said to his disciples, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink anything deadly, any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then... The Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken up to heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the words through accompanying signs. What did Jeff get wrong, Father? He didn't get anything wrong. All right. Oh! Cool. You're on a winning streak. I am on a hot streak, which means that I am destined to just crash and fail Pentecost, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's the one you want to fail on is the birth of the church <laughs> but I don't want to fail on any of them eh, right. yeah I I have a question about today's gospel okay. and then you can so it it says that Jesus was taken into heaven mm-hmm. but he was a he ascended into heaven is the name of the feast. Right. So that's funny that you question that. Cause when I was reading it, I'm like, mm, that word in our feast, they don't jive because it wasn't that Jesus was assumed into heaven. Like Mary was like, she was assumed like brought up, not by her own power. Right. Which the word <laughs> taken would lend itself to that. Yes. But there's another way to think about it. And I'm open now. This is not um, 
this is this is merely father's opinion. Okay, so okay. Not, um, I didn't. Not the father. Not, but not father it could be. It could be part of the church's dogmatic, uh, you know, stuff, but. Primarily, my opinion is like cyclical papal letter and stuff. Got it. And father's opinion. Yes. So this is father's opinion. It it would seem to me that um, another way to think about that would be, you know, Jesus is taken into heaven. Well, when when you take something, you receive it. So he was welcomed into heaven. He was received into heaven, um, and that's that's a better that's a better uh, way to think about that. I, I think I, without diving into the nitty gritty of what's the difference in taking and ascended and all that. What he we know is that we believe that Jesus mentioned. we believe that Jesus ascended by his own power into heaven. Yeah. 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 Nice. So you're telling me that he he can ascend into heaven all by himself, but he can't open the door? Yeah, well, sometimes you gotta wait for dad. Okay. Um all right. Well well I'm, the what, hold on a second. Let's go back for a second. <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> just realize what you said. Um it's not that he was opening the door, the door was opened by his death on the cross and his resurrection. So the door was open into heaven. He was just going back to the father where he belonged in his glorified body. That's where his glorified body belonged was with the father in heaven. Okay. Um, all right. I will, I'll put a lid on that can of worms and I'll ask you what you're preaching about this weekend. Okay. You must descend in order to ascend. Ooh. We must descend in order to ascend. And this is coming out of um, that that epistle from uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. There's a line in it. Let me pull it up just so that I can say it correctly. Which was the second reading this week, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a line about, oh, halfway, three quarters of the way down. It says... Um, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? So in the creed, um, especially in the Apostles' Creed, we say he descended into hell and on the third day rose again. Okay, so the first thing that we got to recognize is that, um, you know, Christ gives us the example. Like if we want to ascend into heaven with him, like if we want to be in heaven with him, we've got there's a certain way that we have to go about doing that. We can't just kind of twiddle our thumbs and then expect, you know, I'm a nice guy, I'm good, I go to mass on Sunday, I throw a dollar in the collection plate every now and then, I, you know, I try to follow all the rules, um, but you basically I turn off my faith from like Sunday afternoon until Sunday morning the next week. So that's not good enough. We have to, there's got to be something else. So Christ, our Lord, um, he shows us how we are to, to go. He, he shows us what path we're to follow. What I mean by that is first Jesus gives us the example of what it means to descend. And I'm not just talking about how after the crucifixion, after his death, that his soul descended into what we would call hell or limbo. Um, to to preach to and to bring up the the saints from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant to bring them into heaven. 
that's part of it. But let's look at all of the life of Christ. The very first thing that we recognize is that he um, he descended from his place in heaven in the incarnation, right? So he mm-hmm. became, the word was made flesh. Um, he became one of us. He, he became like us in all things but sin, as scripture says, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he descended from his place in heaven in the incarnation. He was born in um, <laughs> a, a cave. I don't know if you, have you guys been to the Holy Land before? No, but I'd like to go. The Same. All set for Sunday pilgrimage is going to resume soon. I'm I'm all for it. You guys need to go. Um, it's just the two of us, our wives, and all of the priests who are on the show. That'd be not sure how we're paying for it because I know priests don't pay for pilgrimages, but we'll just say masses, right? That'd do it. Just- <laughs> <laughs> You're all fighting over who gets to say the masses. <laughs> no, because I'll bring my own mask kit and I'll be like, I'm going over there. And I'm going to say my own mess. So you do what you want. <laughs> Anyways, so in, in Bethlehem, <laughs> I almost sounded like Eric Cartman there for a second, didn't I? You did. Um, <laughs> not that I know who Eric Cartman is. I really have no context for that. It was just a name that popped into my head. Somebody had told you that he's a parishioner, <laughs> former parishioner. Former parishioner. Yes. We'll go with that lie. That's a perfect you like Cheesy poofs. Oh, people are going to learn. We tried to cover it up, but Father Jerry is a great impressionist. I'm so glad that that my last podcast with you guys is about the Ascension. (laughs) Anyway, so, so, okay, we're in Bethlehem, right? We're at the Church of the Nativity, and you go in the Church of the Nativity, and you go down into this little crypt area, and like... The spot where Jesus was born is marked with this beautiful silver and star down into the ground. And you literally have to get on your hands and knees and crawl down. You've got to bend really low, first of all, to get down there. And then second, when you get to that spot to kiss it, you got to get on your hands and knees and kiss it. So he descended. He lowered himself to become a man. He lowered himself in his birth. He was born in that that cave, you know, most Children were born in, in a, at least a home. Is that uh, location disputed, or is it? Is that like everybody agrees? Um, I I don't know. When you say everybody, what do you mean? I don't know. It just seems like there's the Catholic Church. It seems like there's a lot of different places that claim that they have the wood from the cross. Are we talking about the cross, or are we talking about Bethlehem? Well, th- I'm just I'm just asking, like, is is like the nativity, the manger, the this spot you're talking about? The spot is not. I mean, amongst um, amongst Christians, uh, Catholic and Orthodox, it's agreed upon that that's the spot. Got it. Um, I don't really know what Protestants say. I know Protestants have a different tomb in a different place, a different garden, and I've just also heard that there's like multiple places that claim to be the so- the spot of the Assumption. Yeah, uh, but again, the Catholic Orthodox, Sorry. Yeah, Catholic and Orthodox agree on the spot. Let's let's no. save the assumption for let's, the assumption. Let's, let's talk carry ascension. On. Right. We're okay. So, We're talking descending. Jesus is showing us the way. So he descends by becoming man. He descends by being very lowly. Um, not only that, but you know his incarnation, the poverty that that he was born into, right, surrounded by animals and and any visitors that came to. Um, to to Bethlehem to to visit like the shepherds they had to get 
like they had to go, they had to get low. And it's like that Kroger commercial. (laughs) (laughs) How low can you get? Anyways, they had to lower themselves. They had to like bow low to get to where Jesus was. Like Kroger. Like Like Kroger, like the the lower prices at Kroger. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Kroger. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um. Not only that, but then like his his life as a carpenter, right? That was a humble career. That wasn't really that wasn't a, a career that was all that, um, you know. Uh, I don't want to say exciting. I'm sure it was exciting, but it wasn't really one that that was just like a blue collar job, right? So it was a humble career as a carpenter. Even in his public ministry, it says that our Lord had no place to to lay his head. So he he teaches us what it means to descend, to go low, to to kind of bow low. We look at his passion, um, that that whole experience of his passion, the betrayal by Judas. Uh, he was arrested and jailed. He was tortured. He was mocked, and eventually he was crucified. You know, crucifixion wasn't um, it wasn't a a, a very um, popular way to die. It was it was reserved for the lowest of society, like. Well, it was popular in the sense that the Romans liked to do it, but when it came to, you know, ways to die, it was better to die by being stoned, I guess, or I don't know. Something that go faster. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so crucifixion was a sign of of lowliness. It was the the scum of the earth were crucified. Mm. Um, And so Jesus accepted that. He he accepted that, that lowliness. But here's the cool thing about the crucifixion. So the crucifixion is also like that low point, but it's also the beginning of his ascension because he was lifted up on the cross. He stood literally on the cross between heaven and earth. So that was the beginning of that ascension, that ascent into heaven. And so for us to ascend up to the glory of heaven, the beatific vision, we have to descend first. And what is it that drives human beings most? It's that desire to uh, be best, that desire to have um, more stuff, you know, a better job, more money, better toys, that kind of stuff. It's kind of a human thing to want more and want better. We want the higher places. We want the better places to live. We want the better jobs. We want the better things, all that kind of stuff. Spiritually, if we want to be in heaven for eternity with Jesus, he shows us what we have to do. We literally have to descend in order for us to ascend. So I'll stop right there and let you guys ask me some questions. How about that? Wait, it's in, as you're talking about, like we desire the higher places and things. I thought I just thought of Crown Hill Cemetery here in Indianapolis, right? Mm-hmm. Massive cemetery, right. one the biggest in the state, I believe. Um it, but it's a it's while well, a cemetery, it's a beautiful place. And I was there recently with my daughters, and we were just driving around and walking and just and and looking at. It's just a very beautiful and prayerful place. But in Crown Hill is the highest point in the state of Indiana, interestingly enough. And there's there's a hill, Crown Hill, in the in the cemetery. But all of the people buried on the hill, it is people of prominence, people of like great wealth. It is like big names that you recognize. It's William Henry Harrison, the, you know, former president, just all of these unbelievable people, but all on the Hill. And it's like, there's this competition of like the higher, how high can you get on the Hill? And it's interesting. 
I just thought of that immediately as you were talking about this, like desire to be higher and to show that yeah. even in death, people were looking for that, that type of thing. So did you guys ever play the game King of the Hill when you were kids? Yes. So the whole, I mean, Jeff, to your point, that's, that's that game, right? Like yeah. who can, who can get to the top of the hill and, and be king. And that, that's, I mean, that's kind of our desire. Um, yeah. And so I think it's, it's really, that's, that's our desire. Like what does it mean to, to imitate Christ and go low as humans in today's world? So I'm glad you asked that question. Part two. You're welcome. So um, from, from a spiritual perspective, what does it mean? Okay. So we look at, um, hang on one second. We're at a, I feel like we're at a natural breaking point here, and uh, Jeff is frantically looking up like information it. because I did a little fact checking. Uh, the The largest, ele- the highest elevation in Indiana is in Wayne County. Perhaps Marion County's highest elevation Perhaps. is at Crown Hill Cemetery. But that I just I didn't want I didn't want that to become a thing. This is the what stinks about us being in the same room is I watched him Google this while I was trying to have a, like a meaningful conversation. That's blatantly wrong. Everybody else of you, everybody else is Googling that as we speak. Um, he's just, he's just exerting his prophetic office. By <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now I just got to work on priest and King. So, <laughs> sorry. Carry on chapter two. Chapter two, your question was like, okay, if we have that desire to go to the higher places, right? That, that kind of drive that's, that's in, that's in people to do our best. Yeah. To do our best. Well, and you know, like we have to understand the difference between ordered and disordered, right? Mm -hmm. So the ordered thing would be to do our best for the sake of uh, glorifying God, to do our best because of the gifts that we've been given to be good stewards, all that kind of stuff. The disordered version of that is to do our best so that we can show everybody else how much better we are than they are, mm. right? And so, um, or to kind of stroke our ego or to, you know, do things like that. So that's kind of the disordered sinful aspect of it. So what's what's the what's the deal with, okay, we have that desire to, um, to strive for the best, the highest, the, the better, whatever that is. What does it mean then in the spiritual life to descend in order to ascend? Well, I think about the story of uh, the rich, the rich young man who came, comes up to Jesus and he says, "You know, what must I do to be saved? You know, what was, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven?" And Jesus says, "What? Go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me." Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that was Jesus saying, "You need to, you need to, you need to descend." In order to ascend, right? And so, what did the rich young man do? He didn't go and sell all of his stuff at, at first. I mean, we can assume that maybe he had his conscience was touched, and maybe he had a conversion later. But he left with his head hung low. He was sad because that was a, a turning away from what made him comfortable, what made him happy, all that kind of stuff. So, we have a tendency, I think, to worry like, okay, if if I'm going to be like Christ then that means I'm going to miss out on all kinds of these really good things that the world offers me. Okay. So to descend as, uh, as a person who is striving for the best, whatever that may be, um, it's going to take some conversion, right? Because the, the primary goal of our life 
shouldn't be how much money's in our bank account. It shouldn't be how big our house is or what kind of new shiny car we have or how many toys we have. It shouldn't be that stuff. But the primary goal in our life should be our relationship with God, our relationship with his church, and how that is helping us grow in holiness. And so if we put all that in the right perspective and we accept the life that God has called us to, we accept the crosses that God permits in our life, we welcome them and embrace them, we recognize our failures, we recognize um, the the struggles and the trials that we have, we recognize all those things, and we don't um, we don't turn them into excuses for poor behavior, but we turn them over to God and, and surrender them and invite Him into those things. That's how we descend. You know, we don't we don't seek glory for our own sake in the gifts that God gives us. You know, like um, you know, if you're good at at soccer, you know you can glorify God in that. If you're a good musician, you can glorify God in that. If you're a, a, an artist, you can glorify God. In, you can glorify God in anything that you do. You're a plumber. You can glorify God in that. You can also glorify yourself in that. And so I think what, what we're teaching or what we're learning from the Ascension or what we should learn is that we always must follow the will of God in our lives he gives us these gifts. He gives us this time. He gives us all these these things to, to utilize for our good, but also to glorify Him, so that we can um, that we can basically live a life that's going to lead us ever closer to Him in everything that we do. God doesn't waste anything, right? He's not going to waste that desire that we have to be a better plumber or be a better teacher or be a better husband or be a better father or be a better priest. He's not going to waste that. But we have to turn that to him instead of saying, I want to be a better priest because it's going to glorify me. I want to be a better priest because it's going to glorify God and it's going to help with the mission of the church. I want to be a better husband and a better father, not because it's going to glorify me, but because it's going to glorify my family through God, glorifying God. It's going to help them become holy. It's going to help them grow in those virtues that they need, and it's going to help get them to heaven. Does that make sense? It's It's about humbling ourselves as we grow in those things. Yeah, that like that's the right. the descent so, in being great at our job. Even is being humble about that, and, yeah. and what are we, to what is the end, and what purpose are we working towards? So, so what I hear you saying right. also, I, sometimes I like to say in different words what you said, so that I can internalize the information. Uh, so we should strive for for to be the best. We should strive for for goodness. But sometimes that means that we have to uh, lower ourselves to be able to get there. So maybe that is, I can be my best self by, uh, you know, being a good husband and father, but that means that I need to get my arse out of bed and change that dirty diaper. Or I need to, uh, you know, do some things that, that can be more humiliating or uh, not humiliating in the sense of like, uh, in, in the sense of humility. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like yeah, sure. the virtue yeah, of humility. Right? That's good. Uh. <laughs> but there's more to it. There's another, there's kind of another step that we have to pay attention to. And it's, uh, um, the onion here. I'm not looking for more to do father that I thought we had this. Figured just, out. Just, Go just, ahead. just bear with me for a second. Just bear with me for a second. Because, you know, like we could, we could leave off with that and be like, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. And then, you know, like, all right, well, let's take it to a step that's that's actually going to make us better, right? 
This is going to make us better if we do it. This is going to be really hard to do, though. In everything that we do, in every bit of work that we do, in every bit of family life that we have, whatever it, our vocation is, whatever it is that we're doing in our life, we must primarily and always follow and obey God. We have to obey God. So this means, for instance, whenever a moral issue raises up in our family or in our work, we always must side with Christ and his law, even if that means that we have to be made lower in the eyes of those around us. Now think about that for a second. There are lots of moral conundrums that are popping up all around us. And we, we have a tendency to say, gosh, I'm, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want um, to isolate other people or whatever, make them feel bad for what they're doing. So I'm just going to kind of keep my mouth shut. And I'll let them do what they do, and I'm going to do what I do over here. Well, for me as a priest, when I decide to do that kind of stuff, that's affecting the salvation of the people that I'm called to serve. So if I don't stand up as a priest and proclaim the truth, even if that means people hate me for it, then I'm not doing my job. If a father doesn't teach his children um, that, you know, there are dangerous things in the home like electric outlets and, and you know, burners on the on the stove. They're going to be harmed by that. And so we have to be willing always by virtue of our baptism and by virtue of that call that we have to, to be disciples of Jesus, to always, always be obedient to God, to his law and to the teachings of his church. And that means that there are going to be times in our life where we have to make tough decisions. And to lower ourselves means that, you know, if if, you know, there's a situation in my family that is a moral situation and I take the the path of Christ or I I go with the teachings of the church that can be offensive to people that can hurt their feelings that can make them say and do things that um, that that are offensive and hurtful to us. But we have to realize that that that's the call that we have. And it's not not to be like, well, I'm better than you because I follow Jesus. It's, hey, you know, it's hard to follow Jesus, and this is the path that we need to be yeah. on. And that's a trap that we can know, fall into. Yeah. Um, speaking of lowering ourselves, I think that we need to. <laughs> I knew. It. <laughs> get into some dumb questions. Is that all right with you, Father Jerry? Before, hey, hold on a second. Before we get into dumb questions, can I say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Just want, it'll be real quick. In all of this, we have to it remember that real. Christ is sending in the heaven. <laughs> <in your> <laughs> Jesus, Jesus ascending into heaven doesn't mean that he's not with us anymore. He continues even as he sits at the right hand of God the Father to be present with us and for us in his body in the Eucharist. We are not alone. He continues to descend down to us in the Eucharist, becoming a prisoner in the tabernacle, locked away behind the door of the tabernacle, in that bread of life that, if we receive faithfully, will lift us up and raise us up on the last day. Done. Preach. That's the exclamation point on your homily. Maybe. It's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. All right. All right. Dumb let's, questions. Let's lower ourselves. Um, I, I have a couple as well today. Oh, 
Can right. I? May I? Well, my first one is uh, specific to the readings. So let me ask that real fast. The first reading, Father, uh, says in the first book, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus didn't taught. Who's Theophilus? That's like the um, first line. Yeah. So it's he's so, talking about the Gospel of Luke, but who's Theophilus? So Theophilus, um, I mean, what does that like? Break that word down. What does what does it mean? Theo means God. God. Is it people so, of God? Is that what that means? <laughs> Theli means like no. uh, brotherly, right? Family, familial. Um, it's kind of a. <sighs> so when luke was writing the that's gospel a really good question. that's not a dumb question at all thank you this, yeah this isn't a dumb question when luke was writing the gospel he was writing it, it like it was directed to or written towards this person theophilus it's an honorary title um I, i'm gonna admit i don't I had to look this up. So it's an honorary title of <laughs> we're, the reading the same Google, we're reading the same Google search yeah, that you are. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, everybody's got that Google button on their phone. So if you have a question, look it up, be a good student, look it up. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks uh, for that. The word, the word, the word can be translated into lover of God, by the way. So, ah, feely. So like filial love. love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Love God. When when do we get guardian angels and do they have names? From my wife. Shout out um, to Elizabeth. When do we get guardian angels? Okay, so we get guardian angels when we're created. Um, but here's a cool thing. Our guardian angels at conception were created. What? So like at yes. conception? Yeah. Right. So our guardian angel was created when all the angels were created. And that was their role was to be Scott's guardian angel or Jeff's guardian angel or Father Jerry's guardian angel. And so we get those. Because um, the limits you know, of human time don't apply to heaven. Right. So, you know, the angelic powers and all that stuff, they were created at the beginning, whatever. So we, we're not, like we have time, like we're created at a specific point in history and time and all that stuff. So, you know, our angel basically is is waiting for us to be created and then, um, we have that guardian angel. And so uh, some in the church, um, there's some, there's some, um, uh, teaching writing. Um, they say that depending on, on the, the life that you live, like your vocation. So like, um, some believe that when a man is ordained a deacon, he gets another guardian angel. When he's ordained oh. a priest, he gets another guardian angel. When he's ordained a bishop, he gets another guardian angel. Same thing with like marriage. Like, well, no, I, well, yeah, I guess I would, according to that, I would have three. Um, yeah. but then like in marriage, there would be a guardian angel for your marriage and things like that. I'm not, um, I'm not terribly, uh, studied up on angel stuff, but I find it very fascinating and I do, uh, kind of dive into that. I, I'll even tell you this, um, you know, any good some theory angels? Ooh, what's that? Said, do you know any good What'd priests who could tell us about angels? <laughs> <laughs> mean mug. We're getting 
death stares from Eric Cartman over here. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, there's plenty of good priests that that might know about angels. The one that I like to uh, listen to is Father Chad Ripperger. He's an exorcist, um, and he he gets the spiritual life really well. So, this Ooh. is the information I'm getting from him. There are some out there that say that we we get a guardian angel, but also, you know, like like God gives us a guardian angel to help protect us, help us get to heaven, all that kind of stuff. The devil is going to assign a guardian demon that that's constantly Ooh. pestering us and you know coming after us and things like that. And do they it's, have names? It's interesting. Yeah. They have names. Don't be afraid. Do they have names? Yeah, the angels have names, but they're given by God and not by us. So this whole idea of I'm gonna I'm gonna name my angel, that's not for us to do because we're not God. We did not create we them, therefore we have no we shouldn't because we don't have the authority to do that. Um because they are not that we should ask our guardian angel what what his name is or her name. Do they have, are they, um, do they are they gender okay, names? So his and her are inappropriate because they don't have they're not they're not corporeal like we are. So is it appropriate to ask the name of your guardian angel? I I wouldn't because that name will be revealed to you if and when you make it to heaven. Okay. Because um, when I then, when I prayed about it, the only name I could come up with was Michael, and I think that was just because I know the whole that Saint Michael name is the only one I really know well. So yeah. I think. I think that's probably well, and that's the whole thing. Like, if we if we look at the the order of creation, God created them. Therefore, God is the one that gives them the name. Like, God gave Adam charge over naming all the animals and stuff in the world, right? And so that was a direct order from God for Adam to do. That was like his obligation to do that. We don't have any um, power over our angels. We don't have any authority over them, so we cannot call them by a name of our own choosing. I feel like we could go and down this a whole rabbit idea. Of angel questions. Oh yeah. Well, there's, I've, I've there's this weird, weird tradition. There's, there's this weird tradition of like saying a prayer and closing your eyes, and then your angel's name will appear to you. That's that's weird. Don't do that. Got it. I just did it, and Jerry was the name that popped up <laughs> in my head. That's probably the demon. <laughs> 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 oh gosh all right no more dumb questions jeff no all right well let's uh let's just start to wrap up this show father jerry thank you so much for joining us and being a part of our little uh shindig here i feel like i'm all set for sunday you good jeff oh i'm fantastically set thank you father jerry absolutely guys it's always a pleasure it's alright cause I'm a sepulchre It's alright cause I'm a sepulchre It's alright cause I'm a sepulchre Sunday